This is Draco Malfoy and the Heir of Slytherin, part two of the Mirror of Isidaru series by Star Bridget. Chapter 16, The Heir of Slytherin. Potter led them to the end of a very long, dimly lit chamber. Towering stone pillars entwined with more carved serpents rose to support a ceiling lost in darkness, casting long black shadows through the odd greenish gloom that filled the place. Yes, a Slytherin had definitely been the one to do the interior decorating. Draw your wands, Draco barked, and Ron pulled his back out. And stay behind Potter. Ron was none too shy in following that suggestion either. Potter didn't stop the two of them from skulking behind him as they moved forward between the serpentine columns. The dramatic way the footsteps echoed was definitely a Slytherin sort of acoustic design. The place seemed like something Voldemort would have liked. Potter would turn back to them from time to time, gesturing to his own narrowed eyes, advertising that they should shut them at any moment. Sometimes even Potter's eyes, though, would stray towards the stone snakes on the wall. Are they talking to you? Draco hissed. No. Potter said with a shudder, I don't think so, and kept on walking. And then, as they drew level with the last pair of pillars, a statue as high as the chamber itself loomed into view, standing against the back wall. A giant face hung above them, more old and decrepit than Ollivander after a few months staying in Shea Malfoy, with a long, thin beard that fell almost to the bottom of the wizard's sweeping stone robes whose illusion of movement gave a passable attempt at sculpting for an edifice that size. If that was Salazar Slytherin, Draco reflected, he could only be grateful he was not their ancestor to have that painting sullying their portrait hall, with those oversized feet stood on the smooth chamber floor, between which, face down, lay a small black and blue robed figure with brilliant white blonde hair. Luna! Draco shouted, running forward and throwing himself down to grab at her. It was an awful sort of poetic justice. He'd tried to make things better in the world, and all he had done was hasten the years before he would once again be visiting a captive Luna Lovegood in a dungeon. Luna! Luna, wake up! He turned her over, and her already pale skin was as white as an alabaster statue but her closed eyes meant she wasn't petrified. Enervate, he tried, and shook her when there was no effect. Draco, Ron cried out, and Draco looked up to see someone standing over him. Draco spun around to find a tall, strikingly handsome black-haired boy leaning against the nearest pillar, watching. He looked blurred at the edges, as he had to be, for someone who should be as old as Hagrid by now. Abraxas? The boy said, frowning at him in dismay. That gave Draco a last bit of certainty he hadn't needed. Tom Riddle? Draco greeted in turn, not letting the wand slip an inch lower in his hand. Riddle's smirk faded slightly. No, you're Draco, aren't you? The grandson. Luna told me about you. She was curious about you. Everyone thought you were the heir of Slytherin. Draco nodded warily, watching Riddle's hands for any sign of movement. 
But that was you, wasn't it? Now and fifty years ago. Draco, who is this? What's going on? Potter called, and a smirk spread across Riddle's face. He's the student, Draco said unsteadily, who framed Hagrid. Wake her up, Riddle, he hissed. Give her back, now. And Riddle laughed, expression benignly, boyishly handsome. She won't wake, Riddle said. She's still alive, but only just. Who are you? Ron asked. A memory, said Riddle quietly, preserved in a diary for fifty years. Riddle pointed towards the feet of the statue, and behind Draco and Luna, there it was. The diary that should have been only dust behind the wall. That, that was destroyed, Draco stammered. My godfather, he wouldn't have lied to me. And Riddle looked impressed enough at his own cunning to indulge Draco. Oh, he didn't think he was lying, Riddle drawled, and I might have become better friends with him after his failure were it not for you, Draco Malfoy. He waved his hand, and a scene slipped in wisps of silver light out of Luna's head to float in the air before them. Luna, sitting alone in the last compartment of the Hogwarts Express, staring out the window, only for the door to open and Draco to lurch in, looking singularly unsteady. Love good? the Draco in the image asked wide-eyed. Luna introduced herself. Yes, I'm Luna Lovegood. It's a pleasure to meet you. I have to go, Draco blurted, looking like he was about to die, and bolted. Really, my Draco? Riddle admonished facetiously. For a Malfoy, you have very few manners. The scene changed to Luna wandering up the corridor of the Hogwarts Express looking worried and staring through the panes, only to see a group of girls her age in one of the compartments sharing chocolate frogs. Luna took a deep breath, visibly gathering her courage, before knocking on the compartment. When she entered, Draco only recognised one of the girls, Ginny Weasley. Hello. Luna said shyly. Have any of you seen a boy come past? He seemed to be having some trouble. I was worried. The girls exchanged glances. No, said an unfamiliar blonde girl. What did he look like? He was a Slytherin, Luna said. Not much older than us. He had very blonde hair. As blonde as yours? Ginny asked and Luna nodded. Oh, that would be Draco. Draco Malfoy? You're worried about him? Luna nodded again, and Ginny grimaced with doubt. Okay. What was his name? Luna asked politely. Would you please write it down for me? Sure, Ginny said, looking eager to get rid of the intruder, and reached into her bag, pulling out Riddle's diary. She ripped a page from near the centre, and wrote Draco Malfoy across it before handing it to Luna. The scene changed to the Hogwarts Great Hall, with Luna standing there watching Draco and Hermione leave together, talking intently. She seemed unable to gather the courage to approach him. It changed again, to the Great Hall the next day, with Draco berating Theo for something or other and walking right past her. And again, and again, until it changed to the Ravenclaw girls' dawns. The other first years were teasing Luna about having a crush on the Slytherin's second year. It's not that, said Luna. 
I just met him on the train and he seemed to need help. All the other girls laughed, none too nicely. Luna, we've heard about Malfoy. He's famous at Hogwarts. He's a great wizard already. He's friends with Harry Potter. He's got a mountain troll. He doesn't need your help. He's not going to want to talk to you, another girl said cuttingly. And as Luna turned away with a sigh, there was a whisper behind her back of Looney Lovegood and a chorus of giggles. The last images Riddle showed began with a shock of fiendfire destroying the diary in Severus's fireplace, the heads of serpents and dragons making Draco shudder. Your godfather almost had it, Riddle gloated. Liquid fiendfire, a beautiful invention from a hideous man, except he left out one part. Unlike the fiend fire cast, the potion is not ever burning. Perhaps it still would have worked, though. There's no knowing, if I did not already have an exit strategy in place. When the fiend fire began to burn and I saw my time was up, I knew where to go. Yes, I knew exactly where to go. Right to your name. The diary writhing in Severus's liquid fiend fire was possessed by a silvery flash before it escaped in an invisible wind that swept out of Severus's chambers, past a fleeing Draco out of the dungeons, and towards Ravenclaw Tower. The wind settled into a slip of paper in the bottom of Luna's bag, with Draco Malfoy written across it in Ginny's handwriting. The paper lit up with a bright, fiery colour and began to change, going from one page to two to three and again and again until covers were sliding into place. So you see, the diary was destroyed but not all of it and not completely. A piece remained with Luna. So when the fiend fire came to the diary, I sent my consciousness to join her in that old crumbled note in her bag. After that, it was easy to grow the diary from the paper. Back to exactly what it had been before. Draco felt his eyes threaten to water. He looked over towards Ron and Potter, who were staring accusingly, though thankfully at Riddle, rather than Draco. Draco took his chance, raising his wand. Sectum expelliarmus, called Riddle, and with a lazy, wandless wave, all three of their wands came flying over to him, where he pocketed them each in turn, like a child collecting sweets in his pocket. He pulled Potter's out after, though, toying with it between his fingers. I've waited a long time for this, Harry Potter, said Riddle, for the chance to see you, to speak to you. It's a shame to have these interlopers here. Tell us what you did to Draco's cousin, Potter demanded, voice only shaking slightly, even with his wand in their enemy's hand. His cousin? Riddle asked in mild surprise, and looked between them. I suppose I can see the resemblance, although you were a stranger to her. I preferred it that way. Our fathers weren't close, Draco said tightly. Of course not, Riddle laughed. No wonder you ran from her on that train sooner than admit the connection. Abraxas's son would never have countenanced any association with this girl's father, let alone this absent-minded strange girl, not well-liked little Luna. Her fellow Ravenclaws think her too stupid for their house. They play tricks on her. You can imagine what a relief it was for this outcast little girl to open her heart and spill her secrets to an invisible stranger. 
The diary? Potter asked, eyes going to the diary behind Draco and Luna like he was considering springing for it, if Riddle hadn't had all their wands. Yes, Potter, of course. Riddle laughed. My diary. Little Luna's been writing in it ever since October, telling me all of her interesting and lonely thoughts. How only she could see the Thestrals. How she has nightmares of watching her mother die. How nice it would be to have a friend some day. And what a pretty snake it was that Draco Malfoy conjured in a duel against the Harry Potter. But it almost seemed to her like she could understand what the snake was saying. So she knew it didn't mean any harm. Really, none of you even noticed that. She nearly gave the whole game away. All the time he spoke, Riddle's eyes never left Potter's face, like he wanted to eat him up and swallow him whole, the way a boa constrictor swallowed. It's very boring having to listen to the petty troubles of a homesick little girl, he went on. But I was patient. I wrote back. I was sympathetic. I was kind. And Luna appreciated me. She thought it so interesting, so clever, that a diary could just have come to her like this and spoken with her when she had no other friend. She believed it was old magic that had summoned me to her, that we were destined to know one another. Riddle laughed. A high, cold laugh that sounded eerily familiar to Draco and made it hard not to hold his breath. If I say it myself, gentlemen, I've always been able to charm the people I needed. Your grandfather certainly proved no different young Malfoy. I'm sure he still looked down on you, Draco bit out, being muggle-born. Draco, Ron hissed, looking worried that incensing the madman would be the end of them. But what did it matter? They were dead already, unless Potter had that sword stored somewhere. Riddle's eyes did flicker, with a deadly sort of annoyance before his smug composure returned. Except I wasn't, was I? I was the heir of Slytherin, and to Luna I was her soulmate. He hadn't seemed to like having his evil monologue interrupted. It was much like Voldemort had reacted. The times he really got going on some tangent, and then Aunt Bella had to stick her yap in. Dear Tom, he quoted drolly, I know you're fifteen and I'm only eleven, but I think I like your... Dear Tom, I know you're fifteen and I've still only just turned twelve, but I wish I could kiss you. I want you to teach me. You're a monster, Harry snapped, and Riddle shrugged elegantly. So... Luna poured out her soul to me, and her soul happened to be exactly what I wanted. I grew stronger and stronger on a diet of her deepest loneliness, her darkest wishes. I grew powerful, far more powerful than little Miss Lovegood, who was, after all, so curious about me, so full of thirst for secrets, this little Ravenclaw. And I grew powerful for it, powerful enough to start pouring a little of my soul back into her. What do you mean? Potter asked, and Draco glanced between Riddle and the diary before Riddle casually flicked Potter's wand in his direction to make it clear the glance had not been missed, and Draco was to stay still. 
Haven't you guessed yet, Harry Potter? said Riddle softly. Luna Lovegood opened the Chamber of Secrets. She strangled the school roosters and daubed threatening messages on the wall. She set the serpent of Slytherin on four mudbloods and squibs cat. That was actually promising, if it suggested a limit to the corporeal powers of Riddle himself, though it hadn't kept him from disarming all of them with ease, and there was the small matter of a basilisk somewhere at play. Of course, she didn't know what she was doing at first. Riddle went on, it was very amusing. I wish you could have seen your cousin's diary entries, young Malfoy. Far more interesting in time. Dear Tom, he recited, seeming to enjoy watching Draco's face. I think I'm losing my memory. There were rooster feathers all over my robes, and I don't know how they got there. Must be the Max Burts again. Dear Tom, I can't remember what I did on the night of Halloween, but a cat was attacked, and I've got paint all down my front. Are the nargles getting into my head? Dear Tom, the girls in Ravenclaw are saying I'm even paler and uglier than usual, that I look like the heir of Slytherin. But what if the one doing all this isn't really Draco Malfoy? Dear Tom, there was another attack today. But somehow, the girl never became suspicious of me, even after she became suspicious of herself. Maybe she would have gone to someone for help if she had a friend in the world. Anyone she could trust but me. But it was me who she wrote to, up to this very morning, pouring her heart out. Tom, Tom, my love, what should I do? And now she has led you to me, Harry Potter, the one I most wanted to meet. And why did you want to meet me? Potter snapped. Well, you see, Luna told me all about you, Harry, said Riddle, your whole fascinating history. She was writing all sorts of missives back about you to her father, about famous Harry Potter for the Quibbler. That's their ridiculous newspaper, you see. She was their reporter on you. I've heard of it, Draco muttered. Riddle's eyes roved over the lightning scar on Potter's forehead, and his expression grew hungrier. I knew I must find out more about you, talk to you, meet you if I could. Especially when Luna told me all about your friendship with that great oaf, Hagrid. Hagrid's still at Hogwarts. Imagine. Hagrid's my friend, said Potter, his voice now shaking. And you framed him, didn't you? Riddle laughed his high laugh again. It was my word against Hagrid's, Harry. Well, you can now imagine how it looked to old Armando Dippet. On the one hand, I was Tom Riddle, poor but brilliant. Parentless, but so brave. School prefect, model student. On the other hand, big, blundering Hagrid. In trouble every other week, trying to raise werewolf cubs under his bed, sneaking off to the Forbidden Forest to wrestle trolls. But I admit, even I was surprised how well the plan worked. I thought someone must realise that Hagrid couldn't possibly be the heir of Slytherin, it had taken me five whole years to find out everything I could about the Chamber of Secrets and discover the secret entrance. As though Hagrid had the brains or the power. Only the transfiguration teacher Dumbledore seemed to think Hagrid was innocent. He persuaded Dippet to keep Hagrid and train him as gamekeeper. Yes, I think Dumbledore might have guessed. 
Dumbledore never did seem to like me as much as the other teachers did. Can't imagine why, Ron muttered, and Draco caught his eye and laughed despite everything. I bet Dumbledore saw right through you, said Potter, his teeth gritted. Well, he certainly kept an annoyingly close watch on me after Hagrid was expelled, said Riddle carelessly. I knew it wouldn't be safe to open the chamber again while I was still at school, but I wasn't going to waste those long years I'd spent searching for it. I decided to leave behind a diary, preserving my sixteen-year-old self in its pages so that one day, with luck, I would be able to lead another in my footsteps and finish Salazar Slytherin's noble work. Well, you haven't finished it, said Potter triumphantly. No one's died this time, not even the cat. In a few hours, the mandrake draught will be ready, and everyone who was petrified will be all right again. And that was a comfort. That even if Draco had somehow led the saviour and his best friend to death like lambs to the slaughter, at least somewhere above them soon, Hermione would be waking up. Haven't I told you, said Riddle quietly, that killing mudbloods doesn't matter to me any more. For many months now, my new target has been... You. Of course it was. Perish the thought that anything ever not be all about Potter. From everything Luna had written about you, I know you like to play the hero. And once your mudblood whore had been taken, Potter had to hold back Ron from springing forward. I knew that you would go to any length to solve the mystery, particularly if another poor little helpless girl had been attacked. And Luna told me you could speak Parseltongue. So I made Luna write her own farewell on the wall and come down here to wait. And she was quite happy, and fascinated at all the new sights and sounds, and was admiring the great statue of Salazar up until the moment she slumped down to die at it. No, there isn't much life left in her any more. She put too much into the diary, into me, her soulmate. Enough to let me leave its pages at last. I have been waiting for you to appear since we arrived. I knew you'd come here. I have many questions for you, Harry Potter. Like what? Potter spat, fists still clenched. Well, said Riddle, smiling pleasantly, how is it that a baby, with no extraordinary magical talent, "'managed to defeat the greatest wizard of all time. "'How did you escape with nothing but a scar "'while Lord Voldemort's powers were destroyed?' "'There was an odd red gleam in his hungry eyes now. "'Red,' Dobby had said. "'Tom Riddle's eyes had started to become red. "'Draco knew those eyes. "'For the first time in Draco's life, "'the word left his lips. "'You're Voldemort!' Riddle was gracious enough not to leave Ron and Potter staring at him like he'd gone mad for very long. Correct, young Malfoy. Perhaps a bit more clever than your vapid godfather after all. Yes, Harry Potter. Voldemort is my past, present and future. Riddle traced Potter's wand through the air, writing three shimmering words. Tom, Marvolo, Riddle. Then he waved the wand once, and the letters of his name rearranged themselves. I am Lord Voldemort. You see, Riddle whispered, 
It was a name I was already using at Hogwarts, to my most intimate friends only, of course. You think I was going to use my filthy muggle father's name forever? I, in whose veins runs the blood of Salazar Slytherin himself through my mother's side. I, keep the name of a foul common muggle who abandoned me even before I was born, just because he found out his wife was a witch. What the hell? Draco complained. It's not like it actually spells Lord Voldemort by itself. It has to be a sentence. It's not even a perfect anagram. Riddle gave him a vicious look before clearing his throat and turning back to Potter. No, I would not have kept that muggle name. I fashioned myself a new name, a name I knew wizards everywhere would one day fear to speak, when I had become the greatest sorcerer in the world. Potter looked up and said with a voice like steel, You're not. Not what? snapped Riddle. Not the greatest sorcerer in the world, said Potter, breathing fast. Sorry to disappoint you in all that, but the greatest wizard in the world is Albus Dumbledore. Everyone says so. Even when you were strong, you didn't dare try and take over at Hogwarts. Dumbledore saw through you when you were at school, and he still frightens you now, wherever you're hiding these days. The smile had gone from Riddle's face, to be replaced by a very ugly look. Draco snorted. Yeah, he called. You think you scare me, Riddle, compared to Dumbledore? It was actually true. Me either, called Ron defiantly before he got a befuddled look when he realised he'd just agreed to being scared of Dumbledore. I mean, he's way scarier than you. Dumbledore's been driven out of this castle by the mere memory of me, Riddle hissed. He's not as gone as you might think, Potter retorted. And those words of Dumbledore's that Potter had repeated came to Draco's mind now, though he still could not puzzle out their meaning. And then Draco heard music. Riddle froze and whirled around to stare down the empty chamber. The music was getting louder, and for a mad moment Draco thought it was Severus singing his tuneless healing song. But no, there was a melody to this song, and it pushed at Draco's heart with a hopefulness that did not feel native to himself. The vibration was a rumble through the whole chamber, through Luna's body where it rested beside Draco, and slowly, shivering, Draco reached out to hold her cold hand. A crimson bird the size of a swan had appeared, piping its weird music to the vaulted ceiling. It had a glittering golden tail, as long as the peacocks at Malfoy Manor, and gleaming golden talons longer than Draco's wand, talons that were gripping a ragged bundle. A second later, the bird was flying straight at Potter. It dropped the ragged thing it was carrying at his feet, then landed heavily on his shoulder. As it folded its great wings, Harry looked up and saw it had a long, sharp golden beak and beady black eyes. The bird stopped singing. It sat, still and warm, next to Potter's cheek, gazing steadily at Riddle. That's a phoenix, said Riddle, staring shrewdly back at it. Who could mistake you as anything but a future dark lord? Draco hissed, with such peerless powers of observation. Forks, Potter breathed, and the bird's golden claws landed gently on Potter's shoulder. And that, 
said Riddle, now eyeing the ragged thing that Fawkes had dropped. That's the old school sorting hat. Ron picked it up and examined it just as doubtfully. Oh, bloody hell! Draco muttered, I hate that thing. Hey, Riddle, when you kill us, could you be sure and take that glorified piece of felt with us? Ron dropped it abruptly, taking Draco's weary jibe too seriously, and Potter picked it up instead, staring it over. Riddle began to laugh again. He laughed so hard that the dark chamber rang with it, as though ten riddles were laughing at once, and Merlin... Draco had never wanted to hear that laugh again. It was normally one reserved for when Cruciatus' curse contorted its victim's limbs into particularly novel or unlikely positions. This is what Dumbledore sends his defender, a songbird in an old hat. Do you feel brave now, Harry Potter? Do you feel safe? Do you feel safe now? Ron shouted back. Rather nonsensically, but it made Draco laugh. Potter was silent, though, like he had an idea. At least, Draco hoped he did. Maybe Potter had a sword somewhere after all, or he knew the bird would bring it soon, too. To business, Harry Potter, said Riddle, still smiling broadly. Twice, in your past, in my future, we have met. And twice I have failed to kill you. How did you survive? Tell me everything. The longer you talk, he added softly, the longer your friends stay alive. Potter's glance swept calculatingly over the scene before him, and a strange sort of faith settled over Draco. He's going to get us out of this. He can do this. I believe in him. No one knows why you lost your powers when you attacked me, said Potter abruptly. I don't know myself, but I know why you couldn't kill me. Because my mother died to save me. My common, muggle-born mother, he added, shaking with what looked like pure, righteous anger. She stopped you killing me, and I've seen the real you. I saw you last year. You were a wreck. You're barely alive. That's where all your power got you. You're in hiding. You're ugly. You're foul. Riddle's face contorted. Then he forced it into an awful smile. So, your mother died to save you. Yes, that's a powerful counter-charm. I can see now. There is nothing special about you after all. I wondered, you see, because there are strange likenesses between us, Harry Potter. Even you must have noticed. Both half-blood orphans raised by muggles. Probably the only two parcel mouths to come to Hogwarts since the great Slytherin himself. We even look something alike. But after all, it was merely a lucky chance that saved you from me. That's all I wanted to know. It was wonderful to hear Voldemort be so completely wrong. Now, Harry, I'm going to teach you a little lesson. Let's match the powers of Lord Voldemort, heir of Salazar Slytherin, against famous Harry Potter and the best weapons Dumbledore can give him. He cast an amused eye over Fawkes and the sorting hat, then turned towards Ron, and Draco feared the worst. Wait, Draco called. Wouldn't it be more fun to make his friends watch as he dies? Ron gave him the dirtiest look, and Draco shrugged weakly at him. Very well, 
Riddle said and gestured sweepingly over to Draco. Go on, ginger worm, join young Malfoy. Riddle lifted his wand, and a ring of blue fire came up around Draco, Ron and Luna on all sides. A narrow circle with heat Draco could feel sweltering in the air beside him and making it look half liquid with the smoke. Ron grabbed on to Draco, though he did not scream. Draco was the one to scream, but he felt justified, doubly so at Riddle's next words. Your friends will watch you fail, Harry Potter, and as the light fades from your pretty eyes, you will watch me slaughter them like livestock. He tilted his head at the circle of fire. Well, the ginger one. He can die quickly. But Abraxas's grandson is interesting. There's rather something about you, Draco. Riddle drawled, giving Draco a look disturbingly like Voldemort had used to give Aunt Bella. You're rather interesting, pretty little Draco Malfoy. I think I'll take my time taking you apart. Over my dead body, Potter spat, clinging to the sorting hat. Riddle smirked elegantly. That is rather the idea. He stopped between the high pillars and looked up into the stone face of Slytherin, high above him in half-darkness. He opened his mouth wide and hissed. Potter seemed to understand by the fear growing on his face. Don't worry, Draco yelled. It's just a basilisk. Giant spiders are way scarier than that. Hey, Riddle, Hagrid's monster is better than your monster. He turned to Ron. One hand on Ron's, with the other clammy but still clinging convulsively to Luna's cold one. Oh, well, guess we're rather useless. No, we're not, Ron yelled. Harry, the thing hates roosters. Try making rooster noises. From the way Riddle nearly doubled over laughing, Draco had an embarrassed suspicion that might not fool a basilisk. Slytherin's gigantic stone face was moving which hardly did anything to improve the already slightly shoddy craftsmanship. The mouth opened wider and wider to make a huge black hole, and then something was stirring inside the statue's mouth. Something was slithering up from its depths, a dark and endless shape of shadow from behind the ring of blue flame, and Ron cried out from how hard Draco clung to his hand then, Potter was not making a great start on the basilisk slaying, even a biased observer would have to admit. He backed away until he hit the dark chamber wall, and then the phoenix took flight. He's getting the sword, Draco thought, elation spreading through him, though Potter had to be feeling rather abandoned. There was a loud thud, like that large, shadowy shape was advancing down from its awkward entrance, and Draco scrunched his eyes shut. I would look down if I were you, he hissed to Ron. Not much point in Potter fighting for our lives if we just get ourselves killed gawping at a basilisk first. Cock-a-doodle-doo! Ron went unexpectedly. Cock-a-doodle-doo! From the sound of the basilisk's movement, it was not overly terrified by the rooster's calls. It was worth a shot, Ron muttered, and squeezed Draco's hand. Riddle made some hissing sounds which sounded very ominous. Don't worry, Ron, Draco hissed. 
Potter's going to save us. I know he will. We'll all be fine. Even Lovegood. Uh, I mean, my cousin Luna. That's easy for you to say, Ron whispered. He wants to keep you alive because apparently you're pretty. Why do all the monsters end up want to spare you anyway? Maybe they can sense the monstrousness of my heart. Draco heard the sound of footsteps, panting, Riddle's laughter, and he had never wanted to look at something so badly while knowing he shouldn't, except for Harry Potter. There were smashing sounds and more hissing, so loud it couldn't possibly be coming from Riddle or Potter. I mean, at least it sounds like he's putting up a fight, Ron said weakly and poked at Draco. And hey, think of it the other way round. I get a quick end. You'll probably have to be some kind of weird snaky sex slave before you get the sweet mercy of death. The sounds of combat went on above them continually. Draco had to keep grabbing Ron and pulling him back when he felt signs that Ron was trying to look and see. Not worth it, Ron, he hissed. We can't help anyway. Just wait. Riddle was hissing madly in parcel tongue. That disturbingly compelling, melodic voice gone frantic with a panic that boded well. Maybe the phoenix had come back and given Potter the sword. Draco couldn't decipher the sounds that went on then, his only focuses in the world, keeping Ron from looking up and feeling whether Luna's pulse had stopped. The green flame kept them back from Potter and his epic-sounding battle. Not that Draco could possibly have done much to help without his wand, or even with it. There was the sound of bird calls and cries, at least, which was the most encouraging. Sword, Draco willed manically. Sword! and heard Ron whimper. Hey, Ron, Draco whispered. It sounds like the phoenix is back. It sounds like it's helping. Don't worry, he's going to win. How are you so sure? Ron growled, sounding close to a nervous breakdown. Draco wrapped his arms around him to try to calm him, sliding a hand back down to keep tracking the pulse at Luna's wrist. Because I'm from the future. Because if he beat me at Quidditch... Draco hissed grandiosely. The greatest seeker in the history of Slytherin House. Potter can do anything. There were more sounds of riddle hissing. The bird, the beast, bodies hitting against the wall. And Potter could be in the process of dying right now. But as long as the tumult still went on around them, it meant he wasn't done fighting. And then, finally, there was a mighty smashing and slipping sound and then a thunder like a mountain coming down. Draco dared at last to look up, and the basilisk had crashed down to the ground before them, dead. I told you, Draco told Ron as the green flames felt away. Come on, Hermione will. But there was still the sound of Riddle's voice, like killing the basilisk hadn't killed him, and the eerie laughter of Voldemort echoing through the chamber. Stay with Luna. Draco hissed, and began to edge around the side of the massive, scaled corpse. You're dead, Harry Potter, said Riddle's voice from the other side of the creature. Dead. Even Dumbledore's bird knows it. Do you see what he's doing, Potter? He's crying. I'm going to sit here and watch you die, Harry Potter. Take your time. I'm in no hurry. So ends the famous Harry Potter, alone in the Chamber of Secrets his friends crushed by a basilisk, 
defeated at last by the dark lord he so unwisely challenged. You'll be back with your dear mudblood mother soon, Harry. She bought you twelve years of borrowed time. But Lord Voldemort got you in the end, as you knew he must. It was a very large corpse. Draco tried to move faster and nearly slipped in a pool of blood. When Potter killed things, he didn't take it halfway. He told himself Riddle was gloating mistakenly, that in a moment Potter would do Riddle in and finish the job. What was he going to do? Sneak up behind Riddle and try to tackle him to the ground for their wand? It wouldn't matter, of course, that even if Riddle had killed Potter, Draco was not going to go down quietly. He was Severus Snape's godson. Get away, bird! said Riddle's voice suddenly. Get away from him, I said, get away! There was the sound of clattering on the ground, like Riddle had thrown down all of their wands, or thrown two out of the way to wield just one. But right after there was a sound like a bang, of echoes and wings flapping, while all Draco could see still was the scales. Phoenix tears, he heard Riddle say. Of course, healing powers, I forgot. It was kind of Riddle to narrate for Draco's benefit, especially after that burst of hope made Draco try to sprint the rest of the way to Potter and slip in a larger pool of blood right on his face. But it makes no difference, Ron went on. In fact, I prefer it this way. Just you and me, Harry Potter. You and me. And then, a moment later, there was a scream, high, piercing and inhuman, the rush of greater hope that went through Draco then was unfiltered with almost any doubt. Potter or the bird had hurt Riddle. It was clear because that wasn't Potter's scream. Draco fell back, where he lay in the pool of basilisk blood and let out a shaky laugh. Finally, the scream ended and there was silence. Draco picked himself off the stone and rounded the end of the beast, finally, to the sight of the diary impaled through with a basilisk fang, ink oozing out all over the stone-like blood. There was sizzling from the pages where the fang had touched. Riddle was nowhere to be seen. Like finishing the diary off had done the same for him, and that scream had been his death. Two wands, one bent and one straight, lay before the diary like some offering to it, the ink curling around, leaving them untouched while it ran like a river to join the basilisk's blood beyond it. And Potter wasn't there either. Draco's heart stopped, until he heard a sharp, wet sound of metal, and turned to the front of the beast to see Harry, covered in ink and blood, sorting hat under his arm with his wand back in his hand, pulling a sword back out of the mouth of the dead basilisk. I love him so much. It had to be the insanity of the moment making Draco think such an impossible thing, but he thought it. The blood glittered a darker red than the Gryffindor red rubies on the hilt, pooling over Potter's pale hands with the dead eyes of the basilisk behind him already cut open. If Draco hadn't known Potter was everything, everyone ever claimed and more, the kind of hero that should only exist in foolish legends, he would have known it now not just by the sight of Potter before him, the great beast felled by that dripping sword, but by the look in those eyes, like he could see something no one else could. Potter's gaze was somewhere in another world until it focused on Draco. Draco! Oh my God, are you okay? You're covered in blood! 
Draco gave an awkward little wave, walking towards the saviour of the wizarding world covered in the blood of the basilisk he'd slain. He was embarrassed to admit the cause of his own state. You just slayed a basilisk, and all I contributed was falling over. No, I'm not hurt at all, it's just from the basilisk a lot of blood came out. Is Ron all right? Potter asked anxiously and yelled, Ron, it's dead, Riddle's dead, it's over! Then he stepped up to Draco, watching him pocket the talon wand and gripped Draco by the shoulders. It isn't your blood. You tell me if it was. Draco, I was so scared something would happen to you that Riddle would get you, but he's dead when I stabbed the diary. Potter came up covered in sweat and dust and muck that made his brilliant green eyes all the more blinding, more ethereal than the phoenix. And, um, I killed the basilisk too. With a sword, did you see? Draco frowned. Yes, Potter, he drawled. Somehow that failed to escape my notice. It was almost like Potter was waiting for Draco to tell him he was a hero. Potter flushed and let the sword fall to his side. Draco wondered if he expected some kind of congratulations. He had no idea what to say. What could you ever say or do sufficient to requite what Potter had just done? It wasn't enough that Potter had to slay basilisks. He also had to look heroic, even in that moment, and as unaware as a flobberworm of that ethereal otherworldliness. No wonder Draco had hated him so much back then. He even looked like a storybook hero, like something right out of a fairy tale. The prince bond to save the fair maiden from the monster triumphant, except with a piece of the devil still as well left hidden in him with that scar. Draco had used to count Potter as his rival, as if he could ever have been a match for this. Guess you don't owe me a life debt any more, Draco said lightly instead. Ron, he's still on the hook. I still owe you too, Potter said awkwardly. I'll never not owe you. Thank you, Draco struggled for words. If I really had been the heir of Slytherin, I think you would have defeated me. I don't know about that, Potter laughed softly. A basilisk is one thing, but a dragon? He dropped the sword to reach out and entwine his bloody fingers with Draco's. A second later, Ron's voice sounded out and Potter dropped his hand. Harry! Draco! Are you all right? Bloody hell, Harry! What did you do? Did you defeat him? Ron raced over and started to pepper Potter with questions once Draco had gone and taken the weight of Luna off his shoulder. She was still pale, but not like Alabaster. What a strange place this is. Oh, hello, Draco. I've just heard that we're cousins. I never knew. Thank you for listening to this chapter of Draco Malfoy and the Heir of Slytherin, part two of the Mirror of Isidiru series by Star Bridget.